In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text for this morning is the epistle lesson from Ephesians chapter 6. We have been listening to St. Paul address the Ephesians for eight weeks, and I think we should hear his final greetings, beginning with verse 21. Paul writes, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying, incorruptible love. This is the word of the Lord. St. Paul wrote the Ephesians while he was sitting in prison in Caesarea Maritima on the Mediterranean coast just northwest of Jerusalem. He was surrounded there by his good friends, people like Mark, the evangelist, and St. Luke, as well as this Tychicus, who most likely was the one who carried the letter to Ephesus, as well as the letters to the Colossians and to Timothy. Ephesians was not written to just one congregation, but to many of the congregations that Paul founded around Ephesus there in Asia Minor. And in general, the Christian orientation of this letter applies as much to us as it does to those Christians in Asia Minor. But that does not mean that there is not a burning issue for Paul among these many congregations. And that burning issue is this. For Paul, it's a matter of identity, Christian identity in a pagan world. Paul knows that the hearers of this letter are young in the faith, many of whom have given up much made great sacrifices in their move from living like a Gentile to living like a Christian. Christianity must have seemed like an alien world to them, and they must have felt like strangers in this new religion. They had given up much. The extravagant feasts of the pagan cult with its many pleasures, the benefits of Roman citizenship, And they gave it all up to become fellow citizens and saints, holy ones in the Christian church, which Paul calls the temple of the Lord, the new Jerusalem. Now this persecuted minority of Christians in pagan Asia Minor were getting it from both sides. A wall of separation had developed between Gentile Christians and the Jews that Paul was evangelizing in Asia Minor some of whom had also become Christians. Now Paul is speaking here about a reality that happened in many of the mixed congregations that he founded. That is, congregations that was made up of Jews and Gentiles. And Paul is thinking here of two walls, one of them a literal one, the famous wall in the Herodian temple in Jerusalem that divided the outer courts where the Gentiles could go from the inner courts reserved for the Jews. Paul was sitting in prison precisely because he was accused by Jews from Asia Minor, where he had written this letter to the Ephesians, 
of bringing a Gentile into these inner courts in the Jerusalem temple. And Paul's whole ministry was intended to break down these walls between Jews and Gentiles so that there might be true unity in Christ in the church. And so what have we heard for the last eight weeks? We've heard these things from Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. Paul has said to them, and he's addressing Gentiles, although you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, and now Paul says of himself, and we too once lived in the passions of our flesh, you have been saved by grace. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now that wall, both the literal one and the figurative one, showed that things are still terribly wrong in this world. That sin still existed, causing divisions between peoples. Now all of us who have been baptized have been engaged, enlisted, in an apocalyptic battle against what St. Paul calls the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You and I know that the schemes of the devil are everywhere and that the damage he inflicts is present among us, especially among those who have been greatly broken by sin and sickness, by suffering and tragedy and death. These are the people who bear witness in their basic human needs that things are still terribly wrong in this world. And Paul tells the Ephesians there's only one way, one way in which God can make right what has been gone wrong. Only God can make whole what has been broken. And this he does, as St. Paul says, through blood the blood of Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate self-giving, Christ giving up his life for you. It is only through blood that God can make right what has gone wrong, the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. And there on that naked tree hung our naked Savior in all his shame, not his, but ours, the shame he bore on our behalf that had become him, infected him with our sin and our guilt. It was through this shame, however, which is the great irony of ironies, that Jesus defeats Satan and wins for us a kingdom. It is only in that nakedness on the cross, that humility and that scandal, that embarrassment that Jesus is able to serve all of humankind by giving his life as a ransom for many so that he could make us whole 
and heal us from our sin. It is only by His blood that He is able to break down that wall that creates now unity through blood among all those who were once divided. So that's why Paul writes the Ephesians these very, very important words. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now with all the baptized, you have put on the armor of God, which simply means that you have put on Christ. And you are now equipped, as St. Paul says, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. That belt of truth is the truth of the gospel. That great mystery that Paul preached and suffered for during his many missionary journeys. And that truth is that there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Now you know these famous words of St. Paul to the Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this isn't your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest no one might boast. And that breastplate of righteousness that covers your heart, that is the righteousness of Christ that declares to the world that it is only in Christ that God can make right what has gone wrong, not by your own efforts or by your piety, because after all, we are all ragamuffins, we are all prodigals. It is only by the blood of Jesus that there is righteousness. It is his sacred heart emptied of its blood that cleanses and heals the cosmos of its virus of sin. And those shoes that are on your feet, those are the shoes of free people. And in Christ, in the forgiveness of your sins, you are freed from your guilt, you are freed from the shame that this virus has infected you with. You are free. And as the free people of God, wherever your feet take you, they bring Christ, who is, is brought to those broken by sin. And wherever you are, there is Christ. And wherever Christ is, there is his freedom, his forgiveness. There is the gospel of peace, a peace that reigns from Christ's table, where in receiving body and blood, you are at peace with God and peace with your neighbor. But this cosmic power of the devil really wants you. And he is constantly, every minute, every day, throwing arrows at you, flaming arrows. It is only by taking up that shield of faith, Christ's faithfulness unto death, even death on a cross, that you are able to withstand these piercing arrows. And that fidelity is first to Christ and then to your neighbor. For as Christ has had mercy on you, so you not only bear your own cross, you bear the crosses of your neighbors. 
And that same devil works on your mind, giving you thoughts that are not of the Lord. And so our Lord equips you with the helmet of salvation that rescues you when those deep, dark thoughts of the devil enter into your mind. And the weapon he gives you to fight off these thoughts is the sword of the Spirit, the very word of God, which is the word of truth, because it is the word of Jesus. And his living voice you hear when it is proclaimed in this place by your pastor, who delivers you in the speaking of Christ's word of truth, that wonderful release from the vexing thoughts that sometimes can overwhelm us. And so here it is from St. Paul. We are all now slaves, Jews and Gentiles alike, slaves to Christ. Not men-pleasers, lusting after the things of this world, but we are free servants of Christ. And for all of us who are baptized, we are in fact enlisted in an apocalyptic war that is won through mercy. The Church Fathers summed it up in one word, a word that we need to reclaim in our churches, almsgiving, which simply means mercy-giving. Those of us who are baptized, who are slaves of Christ, we forgive one another and we live charitable lives of compassion. The great Saint Augustine calls this almsgiving the two wings of prayer. And for Augustine, almsgiving was both giving and forgiving. And this is how, when St. Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, we might be that in Christ, by giving it all away. And this is what Paul means when he says to pray at all times in the Spirit and with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We pray for one another that Christ continue to dwell in us so that we might be what he created us to be in the flood of baptism, to be in church and world Christ's self-giving by our almsgiving. No one embodies this better than you do. No one understands Christian identity, true Christian identity, better than you do. And so when you're made to feel like a Gentile in Jerusalem, like an alien in this world, remember who you are. That you are fellow citizens with the Holy Ones and inhabitants of God's house. You who were once far off and who have now been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. May Paul's blessing to the Ephesians be your benediction this day. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.